Before we start today's show, I want to make sure that you're already signed up for our free Horse Players newsletter. This is the best way to stay on top of all the great content we've got on the In The Money Media website for all this great summer racing and these big summer meets, Saratoga and Del Mar. We also have exclusive promotions and content, including some fun stuff from JK on there. Really a no-brainer, given that it's free. Get signed up over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash email. That's InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash email. And encourage your racing friends to sign up as well. This is a way you can help us out that doesn't cost you a penny. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for uh, the weekend of the first weekend of July, basically. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you, not at the Brooklyn Bunker, but at uh, Belmont Park. We're doing a little double duty here because we're in the middle of Horse Player Happy Hour. And we're going to use this segment to kick off the, the late week show. Very happy to be joined, uh, as ever, on Horse Players Happy Hour, which you should all be participating in. Horseplayers.com, the website, to sign up for these games. They happen every Thursday. And uh, whenever we're both around, I do these shows here with my man, TV's Matt Bernier. Matt, we've been uh, enjoying the show so far and excited to talk about these way races, one of which you have uh, made a little bit of a trip to travel for. Yes, down in Louisville, Kentucky, getting ready for the Stephen Foster on Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern, NBC. We'll have this race as well as the two races prior, the Kelly's Landing and the Fleur de Lis, but the Stephen Foster, certainly the main event. And like you say, it's a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Those looking for more coverage on this awesome uh, Churchill card, check out In The Money Plus, uh, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. Matt and I will be talking about all these races, but on the main show here and on Horse Player Happy Hour, we're going to keep our focus on the Stephen Foster, which uh, I'm very curious to see. Return to the races of Mandaloon. But the horse I was going to pick, Matt, is one I've been speaking of in uh, pretty glowing terms throughout the season, a horse who I feel like is ready for his close-up that's number three, Olympiad. This horse has tactical speed. He's got finishing ability, and I, and I think he's ready to win a big test like this and go on to a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic as a serious contender. How do you feel about Olympiad and all the rest in the Stephen Foster? Uh, look, Olympiad is in raging form right now. He's done nothing wrong going two turns for Bill Mott. Uh, from a speed figure standpoint, he fits. He is rock solid and consistent. Uh, I, I noted on my show earlier in the week, I don't think it's going to be an issue on Saturday, but the only times he's not been able to procure that position where he's up sort of pressing the pace, he hasn't fired. And I'll just, again, not that it's going to happen on Saturday, but food for thought going forward. If for whatever reason he runs into a race where he's not sitting first or second or even third by a length or a length and a half, I'd be curious to see how he boxes on. That's not to say that I don't like him in here. He's arguably the most likely winner. Um, I'm just, I, I can't get past, and I've got one more handicapping piece that needs to come out on Friday afternoon before I really cement things down. Uh, but I've, I've just been taken by American Revolution for a long time. And I, I looked at that blame most recently, and I, I said it on my show leading in that week. You know, that wasn't the plan for this horse. Todd Fletcher wanted to run him in New York, in a New York bred stake, the commentator. It didn't fill. They needed to call an audible. They went there, and I got to be honest, I thought he ran like a short horse. So, and actually, Todd was on with Ren Carruthers earlier this week talking about Future Stars Friday, but they talked about this horse for this race this weekend. 
And he all but said that. He goes, you know, he got a little bit tired at the end. We thought it was a good starting off point. We expect him to move forward here. I think the most intriguing thing to me about this horse is perhaps the time form U.S. pace projector, which to my surprise actually has him on a clear lead. If he gets out to the front and is by himself, um, I mean, I, I would be, you know, very, very pleased. Put it that way at the top of the lane. I just think he's got an immense amount of ability. I think he's a true router. Um, and he may be the third choice in this race behind Olympiad and Mandalorian. Anything else in here you're interested in? It may be more of a, a, a price to get involved, second or third, or do you think the top three in the market kind of have it between them? I, I mean, I think the top three are the horses to beat. Uh, I'm really intrigued with Cotto River to see what he does. Um, part of me still doesn't believe that he's truly a mile and an eighth horse against this kind of competition. Uh, but, boy, his last two runs have been really good. The most recent one was a one-turn mile, and maybe that's what he actually ends up being when all is said and done, uh, which won't help him on Saturday. But the fact that Brad Cox runs him here, knowing that Mandaloon, the big horse, is waiting in the wings, um, I think that speaks volumes from a confidence standpoint. He's really interesting to me. I don't know that I have the, the sort of gumption to bet him or back him in a spot like this. I, I, this may be the prove-it time, but he's looked so good in basically three of his last four starts. Um, he's probably the wild card in here for me outside of the top three. Let's pause on Mandaloon for a minute. Disappointing when last seen in Saudi Arabia, but of course you and I both have history with being, uh, you know, supporting him and, and, and backing him at a big price in the Kentucky Derby that he was ultimately awarded. Didn't do any good for our pocketbooks, but uh, what do you make of Mandaloon? I mean, how do you, I mean, it feels like the kind of horse that is going to be, bet hard enough that I, you know, it's hard to imagine him being like great value and is obviously a contender, but if I held your feet to the fire, are you pro or, or con at this point? From a gambling standpoint, con, uh, I think he's going to be an underlay in here based on what he has accomplished on the racetrack versus the competition he'll face on Saturday. Uh, but also just purely from a racing standpoint, I'm a little bit against him because I, I maintain he needs to prove that he can do it against this caliber of company. He's yet to do that. I mean, his two grade ones have both been elevated via disqualification. Um, the Louisiana, I thought he ran really well. He and Midnight Bourbon both, but they went very, very slow. It is effectively a match race. And then he completely dropped, you know, an egg in, in Saudi. And I don't know what you want to do with that. Now, first start off the bench, a mile and an eighth against good company. Um, and I still don't know if he's mentally put it all together. I feel like I've said that every time we talk about him, that he was quirky last year. I still don't know that he's not quirky at this point, that maybe he doesn't want to get the job done. Um, I, I'm hopeful that he runs well, but I, I don't think I'll be betting him on Saturday. I think that's a fair assessment, in my opinion, not far off of yours. That's not the only win in your in race. That one, of course, for the Classic, we've also got uh, the Princess Rooney going on down at Gulfstream Park. Goes as race number 10, return to the races of a Breeders' Cup champion in CC who's going to be a very short price installed at four to five on the morning line might actually even be shorter than that. I wonder though, Matt, I mean, I guess we've said this before about CC and races that didn't appear to have a lot of pace that, you know, she might be compromised and, and she has a way of uh, going ahead and getting the job done anyway um, in plenty of them. But I don't know at the likely prices. What about a runner like glass ceiling? Who's got that ability to sit a little bit more handy and still has finishing ability and clearly loves the, the, the seven furlongs of this test. I'm tempted to take a mild shot maybe against my old friend CeCe in this spot with glass ceiling. How do you see it? 
I mean, I will say CC is getting back to doing what I think she does best. That's one turn, seven-eighths of a mile, stating the obvious. She won the Breeders' Cup uh, doing this exact thing last year, and she's won at Gulfstream in the past. She won this race last year. Uh, I'm against her as well, but not with glass ceiling, and it's not because uh, I don't agree with everything you're saying. I think Charlie Baker does as good a job as anyone, uh, especially given the amount of sort of runners that he has in comparison to some of the big barns. Um, I, I think she makes plenty of sense in here. I was most interested, though, um, in the filly on the inside, the three-year-old. And, and I don't know, certainly on numbers, she's not fast enough yet. But, boy, she's so lightly raced. Spirit Wind, I, I thought she was spectacular in that most recent race. She goes, I know it's a Florida-bred run in the musical romance, but she was spectacular. It was her first time passing horses. Uh, she looked like she was only getting stronger as the race went on. And the Time Form U.S. Pace Projector has her on a loose lead that is favoring horses on or near the front. And I, I just, I, I wonder if this is the sort of horse that you need in a division like this. Where I feel like we have a lot of known commodities. We have the CCs of the world. We have some of these other Phillies and mares that have turned back in distance. We kind of know what they are. Maybe you need a fresh face to step up and say, hey, what about me? I can take a chance in here. That's no disrespect to glass ceiling or the Philly on the outside. Make mischief. I just think Spirit wins really interesting, and I'm hopeful she's going to be somewhere around five or six to one. I think she will be, Matt, you know, because looking at her finals, they don't really measure up like at all, at all, at all. But as you point out, that pace figure from the run two back, of course, you know, there were timing issues the last day, so we don't have like a complete pace line. But based on the pace line two days back, that's where they're coming up with that idea that she could be loose and lonely in here. And it's not like glass ceiling is necessarily going to be, I mean, you're not going to let her get too far away, but it's not like she's going to be out in front of her either. So off that pace angle, if you gave me, I mean, frankly, I think I'd want more like a double figure price. I don't know that that's going to emerge, but it honestly wouldn't shock me if you're talking about eight or nine, at least just based on the final figures. And yet, you know, you make money in this game when the final figures aren't the, the figures that tell the story you want to tell and you make a compelling case for spirit win. I'm going to go with glass ceiling. I do think that uh, that CC very very interesting and, and you know potential horse to to repeat um, in, in a race like uh, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. It just doesn't feel like it just doesn't feel like the pace is going to be her friend this day. It's not a day you know we we so often talk about the cutback and how great of an angle the cutback is. This might be a case where the cutback is, is not particularly what I want to see in a seven furlong test without abundant speed do you do you think i might be on to something with that uh, as a potential weakness for cc yeah absolutely i mean i think you always have to factor that in i suppose you know kind of going against the grain a little bit though it's not like she had a great deal of pace to run at in the breeders cup and she went off and ran the best race of her life oh, she's um, so good so she has shown that she can overcome a bit of adversity and michael mccarthy's done a fantastic job i i understand why they've stretched her out before she's one going a route of ground and these seven-eighths races, they're so few and far between throughout the year for the Phillies and Mares that, you know, you kind of almost have to work backwards and say, all right, well, we want that spot, we want that spot, that one. How do we get there? Um, but this is, make no mistake about it, this is what she is. She is a one-turn Philly. Um, and I, to your point, yes, maybe she's a little bit pace compromised, but purely on class, uh, she is the class of the field by uh, by a long shot. So I think CC is the most likely winner. I think glass ceiling makes sense in here. And I will say, to button up Spirit Wind, if she had run 10, 11, 12 times, I, I don't think I would be so anxious or giddy to go and play her uh, because I don't think we've seen the best of her just yet. That's why I'm going to give her a look on Saturday. 
as a three-year-old, clearly has that upside. Hasn't been seen in 42 days. We've seen how these three-year-olds can improve leaps and bounds as the year goes on. Well, there you have it. That's our coverage of the two Breeders' Cup win and you're in races on Saturday. Today's show also brought to you by our friends from Lone Star Park. We want to highlight the two really player-friendly wagers daily. Players pick five, 12% takeout. Uh, 75% of that pool gets paid out to those who hit five of five, 25 to those with the console, four or five similar terms. Also in the Lone Star six shooter, 12% takeout and also a console. If you miss just one leg, there's a $50,000 guaranteed late pick for every Sunday. And upcoming on Saturday, July 16th, it is the Summer Turf Festival Four stakes with 750000 in the pot, all on turf, and an NHC tournament where it's 1000 to buy in, and that's all your bankroll. The seats are added to the prize pool. you got to be in Texas right now to be betting at Lone Star, but we know we got a lot of Texas listeners, and we encourage you to get out there, especially for that big contest on Saturday, July 16th. Next up on the show, very happy to be back with our Monmouth team, I'm going to call them for the fine work. They've been doing covering this meet and the debut of the fixed odds at Monmouth Park, an experiment that I know has been very successful from a player point of view, from the folks I've been speaking with down there. We'll start off with uh, the man from Betmakers, the organization powering the fixed odds in New Jersey. He's Dallas Baker. Dallas, what's going on? Peter, been a couple of weeks. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, back from vacation and uh, very much looking forward to the next few weeks, including the Haskell, which, of course, mm. we have coming up on, on the 23rd, just uh, just a few weeks from now. Curious to get a little bit of an update from you, maybe, on what's been going on with the fixed odds at Monmouth. Has uh, progress continued? Anything interesting to report? Yeah, definitely progress is continuing, Peter, and the main progress is the, uh, the finalisation of the Monmouth Bets app, which is very close to uh, to get into the regulators to be looked at. So hopefully that's all on track to be launched for the week of the Haskell, which will mean that uh, the uh, fixed odds of movement uh, takes a very important step to the online space um, very soon with the yeah, fingers crossed it's going to be Haskell week. But if not Haskell week, it's very imminent. So that will open it up to a lot more people and obviously as we've uh, spoken about a lot, the, uh, the, whole, the whole idea of uh, the, uh, the fixed odds movement, again, using that term, is, to, is for the online market. Uh, Monmouth at Monmouth's obviously great that it's up and running, but it's only obviously going to be a small, a small segment of what will be the fixed odds market, both in New Jersey and as it rolls out to, different, uh, to other states soon as well too. But, yeah, obviously a significant step coming on that, and it'll be of a lot more relevance to the people that we're talking to now because – a lot more people will be able to um, start playing, which will be great. And as you mentioned, I think the, the greatest positive that we've got over the last uh, six weeks, I think now we've been doing it, is the reaction on course. Um, you know, one of the one of the, the often spoken about things as we we have about about fixed odds, Peter, is the the disappointment people have when they back something on the tote at five dollars and it goes off at even even money or whatever. <laughs> But the positive thing is now you're hearing great stories about uh, people's punting activities on the track. You know, like it went off at, at two to one on the tape, but I got five to one fixed odds. So just that, just that little bit of tidbit of positivity is uh, it's like the little the little shrub starting to come through and grow. So it's uh, it's still in its embryonic stages, Peter. But it's uh, you know the things that 
the, the things that we were looking for are happening, which is great. And, uh, you know, as you said, every most people who are playing it are having a great experience and really enjoying it and it's creating a, creating a, a, a different level of interest to racing at Bournemouth this year. Also joining us on the call from InTheMoneyPodcast.com gave out some great ideas on our full-card Belmont show from yesterday. Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's up, man? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Glad to be talking about a little mammoth. Let's dive in right away. The first race of this win early pick five. And remember, it kicks off early. First pick five in the nation. 12-15 for this first race. We've got $20,000 claimers going a mile on the turf. Nick, how did you want to light this candle? Yeah, you know, in discussing this race a little bit with Dallas, uh, the situation that you get yourself into is that the best-looking horses on paper, as far as the pace scenario goes and speed figures go class-wise, are horses that are pretty tough to embrace, like Super Wicked Charm. And um, to a lesser extent, I would say Noble Conquest. Both are one-fers, of course, with this being a two-life claimer, but it really looks like things should set up pace-wise for an off-the-pace type like Super Wicked Charm. And, you know, realistically, if he gets a 71 buyer figure again, he's going to win this race in a hand ride. So it's that type of challenge that you have to overcome. You know, I would, would probably use both of them I think from a pace perspective, if there's one horse that you might trust to stick around, I mean, maybe it's I make the rules from the inside for Jose Delgado off the claim. But it looks to me like the two New York invaders that have the good recent form are are pretty much the ones to beat. Dallas, what are we looking at in terms of the market for the three super wicked charm, the five noble conquest, and then also mix a longer price, presumably idea. I make the rules. Yeah, um, Peter, it's um, yeah, it, the way that Nick sort of explained the race is the way the market is. A little bit of a messy race. Uh, Super Wicked Charm, 5-2 to two in fractional odds or $3.50 decimal is the favourite. I uh, should mention the two main track only runners, Shimmering Light and, and Jelly Blue, are, hold a lot of market percentage, but obviously they're most likely not to run. There is a bit of thunderstorm activity forecast for tomorrow morning, but um, the grass track's in great order, so I'd, I'd pretty be pretty confident we'll be on the... Um, on the turf, but uh, yeah, anyway, Super Wicked Charm, $3.50 in favourite, ahead of Noble Conquest at 3 to 1 or $4, and Skillful at uh, four, uh, $5 or 4 to 1, and the other one we wanted a price on was... A 1. 1. I make the rules a lovely price of about 15 to 1 or $16, so that could put some value you into your pick five, and um, you know, a bit of value in this race probably goes a long way. Race number two, we've got two-year-olds, New Jersey bred maidens, five furlongs on the dirt. Dallas, how hard are these races to price up? Yeah, they, they sort of are, Pete. But you, you, I think, as um, Nick and I were chatting to last night, I think one of the keys to two-year-old racing and uh, or you know races where there's a lot of first starters is you got to be you got to be willing to be a bit aggressive on the horses that are big prices. Um, you know, you, you always get those those instances where you can refer back to the one horse that came up, the one at, you know, 40 or 50 to one and was probably the wrong price. But, but in between those, there's another 100 that go around that should have been 100 to one. Um, so I think the key to it is, is having the courage to put a big price up to up against the ones, you, you know, that are probably probably going to run well and truly well and truly beaten but sort of also having the courage to do that so you can have the the favorite shorter so you don't get hurt on the favorite so um look i, I we we're very experienced with uh, two-year-old racing and you know low, low um, racing that's got a lot of, not too much form in it in australia so yeah it's it's just following the similar processes obviously you don't have the um you know a full resume of form to work with but i think that 
generally, if you get it right, they're good races for bookmakers to bet on. Um, you've got to keep your guard up, obviously, but you know, if you can catch it at the right time, it's, uh, it makes it makes it good fun anyway. So you strap your seatbelts on and go. Uh, and what we've done here is Wild Mule will open up around about a um, about an eight to five favourite, a dollar eighty or two dollars eight. Sorry, two dollars eighty decimal ahead of Long Legs at two to one or three dollars, and un- uncaptured Deputy uh, three to uh, sorry three to one or four dollars. In terms of the longer prices, how high did you go on a runner like running right by you? Running right by you, $21, obviously, with only six horses in the field. Um, it's, you know, you can't get super, super duper aggressive. But with a horse like that, we'll go up that price. But if there's no money for it, that, that $21 will become 100 to 1 pretty quickly. Gotcha. Very interesting. Nick, who do you like from an early pick five point of view? Or did any of those fixed odds numbers Dallas threw out appeal to you? I mean, I would say take a look at the early doubles and see if there's any action that we weren't anticipating. I mean, it looks as if the the two Hollendorfer runners have likely been training together, and uh, they both went quickly two workouts back, um, both designated handily, so they're likely to be ridden hard right from the start. So, you know, you'd anticipate that one of those two should get the job done. Um, they're They're sort of bizarrely similar to one another, being new farm homebreds and having a similar work tab. So one of those two should probably win. All right, let's move on to the hinge of this early pick five, our third race where we've got uh, Nickel Claimers going six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, we'll keep it with you for your thoughts on this one. Boy, hold your nose and find one you can take here. This is a tough <laughs> bunch to, to get excited about. You know, Bailey on the rail is likely to be the favorite, rallied well into a, a slow pace last time out. I think a 62.50 open claimer to a $5,000 conditioned one at uh, Monmouth is going to be a big drop. So this horse is, is undoubtedly facing much weaker. You know, the concern that you have is he's on a six race losing streak since being claimed from Safi Joseph Jr. And he likes to do his best running late, which, you know, isn't really the best uh, approach for a rail drawn runner at Monmouth. That said, this horse is supposed to win. And, and those are the types that generally make you nervous. I thought relishment was a little interesting time form us users would probably upgrade this one. No pace on last time whatsoever, still put together a decent late bid ascending speed figures. And, you know, I'd love to embrace a speed horse. I think the only one I probably could with a straight face would be the four nice of me who uh, second off a claim two starts back ran credibly going long. I'm not even sure how fast this horse is, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a robust pace. And again, contention doesn't exactly run deep. Dallas, give us an overview of the market in race number three, please. I don't know. I don't know if many of these could be accused of fast, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With all due respect. Sorry, Pete. It's, you know, know, sometimes sometimes I have to just go a little bit over the edge. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. As Nick said, it's a pretty, um, it's not, it's not the uh, actual, the highlight race of the moment on the season. That's for sure. Uh, Bailey is the obvious favourite, but you know horses like that starting favourite are why bookmakers drive Mercedes Benz and punters catch the bus to the races. Dollar uh, eighty, uh, sorry, two dollars eighty. So generally about an eight to five quote. Relishment uh, four, three to one and four dollars on decimal, and Strong Breeze down the bottom about the seven to two mark, uh, four dollars sixty on the decimal odds, and that's about the market. And um, not a lot to say about the race. We'll put the prices up and see what the punters want to take. Race number four, we've got three and up Philly and Mare Maiden claimers at the $30,000 mark going five and a half on the turf. We've got a, a, a fuller field here 
with uh, 10 entered, one being a main track only. Dallas, who'd you make the favorite? The favorite here is uh, Hazardous Humor at uh, $3.50 or 5 to 2 Bayou Melody is 9 to 2 $5.50, but ahead of that is Special Assistant at 4 to 1 or a flat $5 in decimal language, Peter. Nick, let's bring you back in for your thoughts on this penultimate race and the win early pick five. Yeah, Hazardous Humor is a horse who had some trouble last time out against a much, much tougher now on the drop for John Stevens. This is a capable barn, and uh, Jose Ferrer sticking in should ask this horse for a little speed out of the gate. I mean, it felt like a, a runner that was supposed to get the job done. There were really no interesting outsiders, maybe safe special assistant, but again, I mean, he's priced to the point where he should be bet, and uh, I, I wouldn't envision getting a whole lot of value there. Um, unless you have a you have a little bit of a lean that I don't have, it looks like hazardous humor should really win. We close things out with the featured race of the day. Three-year-old fillies and up $100,000 in the pot for the regret stakes. Six furlongs on the dirt. Nick, how are we going to get paid in this winter yeah. Olympic front? You know, Club Car is going to be the favorite here, probably a pretty solid favorite. But I think in, in, in Dallas will give us a little more insight into this. I think she kind of has the look of a mare that, that – the fixed odds market would be willing to take on a little bit. She's not always the, the most willing winner. And, um, and, and her only victory in her last uh, eight, eight stakes tries came at Mountaineer. So it could just be a matter of Ben Colbrook trying to find the right spot to get her back to winning ways. But I think she's got two real rivals here in Edie Meeny Mighty Mo and Liberated Lady. And Liberated Lady is the one that kind of catches the eye, given that this is an entirely – uh, European-based pedigree, UK-based pedigree, I should say. And this is a horse who's taken the dirt quite well. So I, I was impressed by the effort last time out. Obviously a much tougher field with the likes of Club Car in there than she faced. But um, who knows what kind of upside a horse like Liberated Lady has. And it feels a little bit based on her North American debut. Like she could probably sit a little bit off the pace and be effective. And I think they're going to go relatively solid here early. Dallas is Nick Wright is club car one. You're willing to take on a little bit listed at two to one on the morning line. Yeah, this is a really good betting race. Really. It's, you know, you've got, I mean, I think it's, it's great for whether it's you're looking at it from the, the framing a market point of view or whether you're having a bet point of view, there's pushes and pulls for all of them. Um, um, you know, the, the three main chances, the Nick come, come putting their hand up with very valid reason, but there's also reasons to, um, <clears throat> to uh, be negative on them as well too, and then that usually creates a pretty good, um, a good framework for a competitive betting race where you're laying a lot of runners. So, at the moment, Club Car is the obvious favourite at two to one or three dollars decimal, ahead of Edie Meanie Miney Mo at three to one or four dollars decimal, and Liberated Lady is four to one or five dollars decimal. So, pretty much as Nick uh, Nick described, that's how the market will start out. But yeah, well, I mean that could easily shuffle around as. Um, people's opinions turn into a monetary support for things but it looks like um it looks like a, a very good competitive race even those seven runners you can make a case for most of them and that usually um that usually um attracts a lot of betting which is what we love good stuff all right dallas thank you for your time today nick we're going to keep you around for the next segment dallas we're going to let you get to work down there on the main yep. line at monmouth folks who are attending monmouth should go and say hi and uh Get, learn a little bit more about the fixed odds and what's going on and, and what happens next. And as it becomes available throughout the state, we'll obviously be telling listeners how they can get involved if they live in New Jersey for now and then hopefully expanding beyond there as time goes on. Dallas, have a great weekend. We'll be talking soon.
Cool. And one just quick mention for mention for owners and trainers, the Betmakers Bonanza is back again this year, Peter. An extra oh. million an extra million dollars for anyone who can win the Haskell, the Travers and the Breeders' Cup. So if you're thinking about bringing a horse to the uh, the Haskell and thinking it's good enough to go on that way, there's an extra million dollars there for you. So we can talk more about that next week. But uh, it's just an extra, another, another added feature to the Haskell and Races Beyond. And if you think it's impossible to win, you've only got to go back two years and Authentic did win the the Betmakers Bonanza. So it's uh, it's a good feature. And hopefully uh, coming into Breeders' Cup, we're talking about a horse that can be getting an extra million dollars as well. Always a good story. Love those interconnected bonuses. Dallas, we'll talk more about that next time, and we'll see you on the line. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Peter. All right. Good stuff. We'll we'll segue right away. We'll just do it on the fly if if Craig is is ready for us. There he is, changing the graphic, moving the screens around. He's good. He's good, people. And we welcome now to the show uh, one of our our people we – we always turn to when it comes to uh, to all things uh, Texas racing and and generally speaking uh, horsemanship and, and just always fun to talk racing with Jessica Paquette. Jessica, what's going on? Oh, not too much, guys. How are you? Happy Friday! Happy Friday. Good to see your face Doing after great, uh, yep. Happy Friday. Away. Yeah, you were and, having uh, quite some adventures. I was enjoying living <laughs> vicariously through you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't the it wasn't the worst seventeen days of my life going from. Uh, Royal Ascot to drinking whiskey in Scotland to the Rolling Stones to Wimbledon. And then straight to Betty Ford after that, I think. (laughs) That's about the size. It wasn't much better yesterday with the party we had out at Belmont Park. We definitely, some drying up needs to happen before Saratoga. Let's put it that way. The Peloton, (laughs) need a lot more Peloton and water than than scotch and and professional sporting events. But we've got time. And then, of course, we'll do it all again and and get crazy at at Saratoga. We, We can expect to see you, Jessica, in Saratoga at some point. I'll make my way up there at some point. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Excellent. And Nick, you've got one trip or two booked this year. One Travers for me. Perfect. Uh, I'm definitely up for the Alabama. So anything else TBD. We'll have a lot. That's really good to know, actually. Maybe booking some live, some fun live stuff. We got to see how that turns out. We'll, you know, we'll we'll, we'll force you into action. May turn it into a working vacation for both of you if I have anything to say about it. But. What we're here to talk about today is our friends at Lone Star Park, um, and we're going to look at this. Uh, we're going to look at this pick five that's going down on Saturday. We've got uh, we've got afternoon racing and a pick five that kicks off in race number four, if I'm doing my math correctly. Uh, and this is a spot where we've got two year old maiden fillies going five and a half on the dirt, a field of seven going postward. Jessica. Since you just appeared on the show, we will uh, extend the courtesy to you to go first in this one. Where's your eye drawn? We're going to start with actually one of my stronger opinions on the card. I think this race came up a little bit light, and I'm interested in number six, appropriated funds. I think that morning line is too good to be true. Um, I'd be very surprised if we get anything close to that. But it's sort of an interesting horse. The dam with stakes placed. This horse costs $32,000 by Arrogate. And with the limited opportunities to get offspring of Arrogate, 32,000 probably indicates maybe this one isn't winning any confirmation contests, but you know, that's okay. You don't have to be the best built athlete to win a race. And Jalen Clary is having a really strong summer. I think a lot to like about this debut runner. All right. Six to one on the morning line. We'll see what price appears in reality. Uh, Maybe just maybe in a bet like the pick six, you could preserve a little bit of that value though. Of course, it will no longer be blind for folks looking into the double. You get a sense of how they're betting in this race if you are playing the pick six. Nick, let's bring you in for your thoughts on the fourth. 
Uh, you know, I, I agree with Jessica on the six appropriated funds. Of course, it has to be said that the only way you're going to be able to bet on these races as of right now is if you're in Texas. So hopefully that, uh, you know, people in it's Texas a weird time. listening very closely because it's really going to fall on your shoulders. Um, appropriated funds worked at the uh, at the sale back in April. And uh, and that was that contributed to the the, the price of thirty two thousand. Todd Fincher who had a limited string of horses at Sam Houston this year, as opposed to 2021 has done really well at Lone Star and, and always annually has a ton of two-year-olds. Bold Connection actually has a pretty good pedigree for a horse that would debut at Lone Star. The dam was a winner on debut. She was stakes placed as a two-year-old. A progeny of Uncle Mower about 15% on debut as two-year-olds. So it looks like Bold Connection's training well also. I would say this is probably the other horse to use along with uh, Jessica's appropriated funds. Let's pause for a second on what's going on down there in Texas. And, you know, I know it's it's like always hard to ask you a question when we're trying to hit a moving target like this. But for the folks that haven't been uh, paying attention, I was I, I was seeing this story, obviously, while I was away. But, uh, you know, I don't really know exactly what the latest news in the story is. Get, give us an overview of the situation. there. So the state of Texas has opted out of HISA. Um, effectively. The Racing Commission has said that HISA violates the Texas Horse Racing Act of 1978 and that regulation of racing in the state of Texas can only take place uh, or can only be done by the Texas Racing Commission. So it is a hardline stance on their part. There are also, I think, some some caveats to it, one of which is there's only 12 days left of thoroughbred racing in Texas in 2022. And of course, only thoroughbred races are subject to HISA. So it's, uh, you know, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, is there is there some posturing there? There's definitely some posturing there. But I also do think there's some real concern uh, on the part of, of uh, the Texas Racing Commission. And I think they were, in a way, trying to stand up and say something that they hoped a lot of people would follow along with. The problem is every legal challenge has been rebuffed. And so that's the, the big worry. But I mean, look, I don't think it's out of turn or inaccurate to say that the rollout and the communication on HISA has been absolutely dreadful. I mean, there it has been done in the dark. It has been done with vagueness. There are all you hear are stories about horsemen and representatives from HISA getting into shouting matches. And, you know, when you're asked or you're, you're basically you're tasked, I should say, with being the white knight coming in to save the day and, and nobody can even see where you are on the horizon, you're going to be rendered somewhat ineffective, at least at the start. It's a great point. And I mean, I've been critical of their communication from minute one on here and more or less extended uh, invitation to, to get some communication and use our channels. And uh, we've been met with crickets. So <laughs> Jessica, what do you think? Are you optimistic about uh, the future of uh, Texas racing at this point? I know it's something that's near and dear to you. So I'm a big fan of Texas racing. I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had in Texas. I don't know if you can see with my graphic, I have an old Rockingham park t-shirt on today. And unfortunately some of this is reminding me of kind of what, wound up being the end of thoroughbred racing in at Rockingham Park was the horsemen's groups really taking this firm line uh, against something they weren't going to win. And, you know, they got their bluff called a little bit, and that was what started the end of live thoroughbred racing in, in New Hampshire. So having that bit of history in the back of my mind, I'm very wary of all of this. Uh, there's a lot at stake for a lot of people. Um, and it's a real shame to me because the breeding industry is just starting to 
be, you know, become nationally recognized and you don't want to see them go backwards. Um, there's a lot to lose in for, you know, for all the stakeholders in this. Um, it'll be interesting how it all, how it all shakes out. I, you know, I'm rooting for our sport to become cleaner and to become better, but I'm also rooting for Texas racing to thrive. So you know. we'll see how it plays out. Um, it's, it's a moving target. We'll be covering it here on the network going forward, but we do have the business of covering this pick five. And I know we have loads of Texas people who listen. So, you know, they'll be, they'll be making the drive out and, 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 and playing these races. So let's talk about them. Race number five starter allowance going seven and a half on the turf. Nick, we'll throw this ball back in your court for your thoughts. Yeah. You know, one of the horses that ran well, um, he ran, I guess, okay. Compared to how well he's run at Lone Star. Uh, I, I should say at Sam Houston, was Fred Swirling Candy, oh, really gotten together, and who Jessica I know liked multiple times, and and he finally got good at uh, at Lone Star, um, got back to some of his better efforts. He just might not love Houston. That could be could be part of it. Although I will say that uh, Perfect Star is a horse that got just really improved a ton at uh, Sam Houston over the winter, and I think running into him a couple of times was uh, was kind of a disadvantage. Um, he, he, to me, he clearly looks like the horse to beat in here. He looks like he's got the right running style to control it from the start as well. Newport beach is a horse that I really liked when he had the misfortune of running against perfect star back in February, thought he came back and ran really well against heart attack. And he's now back off a short layoff for Joe Offalter. I would probably use those two and feel reasonably confident, um, with maybe a little bit of seductive USA who's capable on his best day as well. All right, so we're looking at uh, we're looking at one, four, and ten for Nick. Yep. J- Jessica, are you with your old friend Fred's uh, twirling candy in here? I'm a sucker. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I, I really wish he would have gotten um, his act together in Sam Houston. All the times I picked him and was wrong, but <laughs> he is seven. Sometimes these older horses really do kind of once you get them good and once you get them correct, you can maintain that for a few races, and you can see he's seemingly in a good stretch right now. And I think you can string together a couple of good efforts there. I do also like the two Englander Broberg. This is a nice, useful son of English Channel. Um, they show up. They run on everything. Can never say enough nice things about English Channel as a stallion and Newport Beach I think he's just so tactical so quick and this is really his turf course like this kind of hard tight summer Texas turf course that really suits him all right so uh throwing throwing a couple extra numbers there from from Jessica and we'll get ready who likes it one two four and then we'll move on to race number six at Lone Star on Saturday Texas breads twenty thousand dollar claimers three and up going a mile on the dirt Jess we'll keep it with you so this was handicapping this race was a reminder why I really don't like looking at a morning line um, at all when I'm handicapping. Uh, sometimes I'll focus on that and be like, why? Uh, Popeye's heart, I don't understand the short price on him. I don't want him at that short price. I think he's suspect in every which way. This isn't enough of a class drop for me to feel like this is a layup. Um, Gustafson and Nigelberry, of course, both strong connections. He may be a little too much horse, but I don't know. Silver and gold, number three, looks pretty well meant here and has been quietly one of at least the more consistent horses in what I think is a pretty wide open group. All right. We'll take some preference for the three, silver and gold. Let me ask you, Nick Tamaro, about uh, Popeye's heart. Are you with or against this running? Yeah, I mean, you know, he certainly didn't run particularly well two starts back. No. and. You know, if you're going to bet him off of that, then you're definitely not going to be interested in taking eight to five. I think the the one of the angles probably is sort of in rye we trust and that he's going to be sure. more aggressive with this horse and get him more involved. But I would say for every bit of of a Popeye's heart, I'd want to use 
um, either Texas Remington or a silver and gold, as Jessica said. Texas Remington might just be the right horse in here. I know he beat a really cheap field last time out, but he's getting good at the right time. I think he's realistically spotted first time against winners. And, you know, these cheaper horses, as they start going up the, the buyer speed figure ladder, I think that's where you really want to take an extra look. Race number seven, we've got maiden special weights, three and up fillies and mares, a mile on the dirt. Jess, what are you thinking about in this eight-runner field? I mean, you obviously need to consider number three, Marceline. Beautifully bred, Asmussen, an encouraging debut, kind of did everything right. And for a horse with her kind of pedigree, getting that maiden win is very important for her value as a broodmare. I do like number eight, Diamond Code, kind of an interesting first-time starter by Honor Code. I like the debut at a mile for these horses. Like, I know the Honor Code sprint. I see every time I see them in person, I don't understand how they sprint. I don't understand how they run early. They are just these big, gangly, long distance type looking horses. And Diamond Code with Leslie aboard is, I think, an interesting debut runner. I like that idea. And I agree. I mean, feels like the honor codes, whatever they do sprinting, they tend to get better with uh, with distance and or time. And this one, at least we're getting some distance to, to start things out. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Marceline should be really tough, right? She's uh, yeah. going to improve, I would imagine, with the race under her belt. This is a very strong pedigree, being that authenticity was a graded stake type. And I don't think was a grade one winner, but was close. And um, it, and like against decent horses, too, I think. Yeah, definitely. Pletcher for Padua, I feel like. Yeah, What's yeah that, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, she should be, she should be relatively tough. Um, as Jessica said, we'll – We'll see what we get from Diamond Code. Probably a long-winded type, given the pedigree. And so the distance should definitely be no issue. Blame it on Midnight ran very well on debut. And, and I I grew to appreciate Alejandro Valdez at Sam Houston. Um, he's had a rough go of it at Lone Star, but he's had some horses run well. I wouldn't be surprised if this horse can, can get in the mix a little bit, too. All right, let's wrap it up with race number eight. We've got an allowance, three and up fillies and mares going a mile on the turf and a nice, uh, nice full field of 12 going postward for this one. Jess, how are we going to get paid? I like a big long shot here. Um, number one, Pumpkin Bread, who I liked last time first off of a layoff. Maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. This is the kind of race where you can draw a line through that last one and say coming in off of a year-plus long layoff, maybe he needed one. His best efforts have come on the turf, and I think there's some upside and upset potential at a big price. I'm also going to put Princess Pauline on my ticket. I think she makes, uh, makes sense with this field. And mid-year is just too consistent to overlook. That's number eight. All right, one, three, and eight closes up. Maybe I asked the wrong question. How are we going to get paid? How are the people in Texas going to get paid <laughs> like you, Nick Tamaro? Yeah. Nick, how are you getting uh, paid? Exactly right. Uh, I like Cha Cha Mission, who put strung together a couple of really good efforts for Sean Davis. And last time out, middle moved a little bit, flattened out. Christian Torres getting in the irons. This is a horse who I think will run better. And uh, the field last time out, it's a lot tougher than it looks on paper. Discreet Smile, a veteran Texas bred who's very, very good. Um, and I think that that, that that form line will hold up well. Great stuff. Really appreciate both of your help today. We will do it again, um, you know, probably seven days from now, all things uh, considered. Um, great job. We'll talk soon. In the next segment, we're going to have on a race lens power user. You know him. You'll like him. But we also wanted to let you know that you can sign up for an unlimited race lens monthly subscription and get the first month for only $1. Use the promo code in the money for that one. We also have an offer for former slash current customers for ITM listeners. Come back and try or extend your current plan race lens and enjoy 40% off of any unlimited 
race lens subscription. The promo code for that one is R-L-M-I-T-M-4-O. That's R-L-M-I-T-M-4-O. Go to the Equibase site and navigate to find where to sign up for these excellent offers from our partners at Racelands. Next up on the show, very happy to take a quick look at the Saturday Pick 6 at Naira with one of the people I always enjoy speaking about New York racing with. He is uh, he's in a little different location. We don't have the in-the-money backdrop. It looks like we, we might have a lake out there behind those uh, nice-looking uh, window panes behind Matt Magvolgi. What's up, buddy? That's good, Pete. It's good. Yeah, different location today out at the uh, out in the Finger Lakes. One of my favorite spots. Uh, had this place for a while, and uh, yeah, weather's good. Been out in the lake already, and uh, hopefully uh, get back out there. Uh, get back out there soon. Tremendous. I'll be on a lake in Maine when we're recording these next week. I'm very much looking forward to that. That lake summer life always enjoyable. I wanted to ask you. We've had now several weeks going since this reboot of Race Lens. How is the product been working? Anything that the folks might want to be aware of? They'll have hopefully heard a commercial explaining how they can try out the product right before this segment. But I'm just curious from a user experience how it's been going for you. It's it's back up in full running. So, um, you know, any anytime you have a, um, you know, any kind of overhaul in terms of data, where the data feed comes from, I've had that experience in my in my real world life in the investment world. And listen, it just, it sucks. <laughs> I don't know how else to really say it. It's, it's, it's a beast and it takes a while and there's, there's bugs that happen. So there was a mapping over of, a, especially a lot of the, the stuff, angles and different research that you save took a bit to get that back. But as we stand right now, everything is back up fully functioning and running. Um, all the, all my past angles are, are, are back there running. It's been like that for, for weeks now. So uh, now back to uh, business as usual. And uh, again, it's, it's just, a tremendous platform to uh, do your own research, put your own uh, flavor on things and test, test your eyeballs, right? You know, what you're seeing on the screen and say, you know, Hey, I've noticed this, but let me look at the numbers and see what it looks like. Um, so no, it's, it's back up and running and uh, you know, the true odds part of it, the AI uh, uh, element of it is, is also there as well. You customize that you can run it off their, uh, off their program as well, which I like to look at, you know, they give their fair value odds and, and, and projected win percentages and stuff like that. So, um, no, overall, back up and running. And, uh, yeah, if you hit it right now, you get it for uh, for a nice, uh, cheap price. So uh, I think it's a knockoff about 300 bucks for, for the year on the subscription. So uh, definitely check it out. Again, like I said, any any platform that you could have, whether it's sports betting, horse racing, where you can create it yourself and you're not relying on some, you know, a program or, or a platform giving it to you. I'm not saying it's it's bad, but, you know, anytime you can create that content yourself, I think gives you really the edge more power and control if you're a research-oriented player such as yourself. We didn't plan on talking about race number four, the Nehrud Stakes, but the way this race has come up, just maybe a quick word with this showdown between Life is Good and Speaker's Corner. I ended up picking Life is Good. I don't really, I don't exactly know. I could make like three different excuses for what happened in Dubai, the most obvious of which being it was just too far. Cutting back to the seven with his natural speed, um, even though it, it came up real interesting with Speaker's Corner, a serious, serious rival taking him on in this spot. I just expect him to be too good. I know you said you hadn't done the full deep dive into this race, but what's your gut when you look at the neighborhood? 
I just think I think life is good is going to be tough to catch on the front end. I think clearly makes the lead. And how many times you heard that, Pete? I'm, you know, in quotes, I'm not sure what happened in Dubai, right? Dot, dot, dot after that. There's so many different horses that that, that that's happened to. So, again, I don't I'm necessarily totally toss races out, but I would say that's that's probably one that I would uh, I would I would be able to look beyond. And, and again, I think uh, life is good gets uh, gets the lead. Speaker's Corner is probably going to sit, uh, you know, right off, uh, right off the lead there, and I think it's going to be down to those two. And I just think Life is Good is going to have too much late, and uh, it's going to be a chalky finish. I think. Um, uh, I don't think those two go at each other, but I think Life is Good is is going to get the upper hand. Let's jump right into our scheduled first race. The first race of this pick six, Maiden Special Weights, Belmont's fifth race, mile and a sixteenth on the turf. How are we going to light this candle for the Belmont pick six? That's an interesting way to start. You've got two first-time starters. I'm very interested to see uh, what kind of money they take. Uh, Chad, uh, Chad with the four, and uh, Pletcher with the five. So um, I'll, I'll use the Chad firster. Um, you know, even if the horse doesn't take a ton of money, uh, I just, I just think Chad's always dangerous with uh, with these types. Um, you know, I, I think you know if you look at some of the others that that have run. Um, you know, you look at the six. Uh, so it's the summer. Gonna get the lead, right? I mean, gonna gonna probably uh, wheel on the lead unless one of these firsters uh, show any speed. This horse does give it up late, so not a horse I necessarily want to trust. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the horse I'm going to use, I'll use this horse as a B. Uh, another horse as an A. I think running B is going to be interesting here. Off a long layoff, you know, I thought that was a decent effort first time out. Um, again, off for a while. Chad is, you know, definitely great at spotting these horses off these types of layoffs. Um, you know, the the Manny. Uh, Chad combo hasn't been uh, off the charts there, but you know, again, I, I think this horse could be uh, something, uh, something special too. So we'll see what the board looks like on that one as well. Um, and then I think the, the, the two, uh, the two breakwater first time turf, I think this horse belongs on the turf uh, should be sitting right off the pace. You know, if the, if the six, uh, you know, if the six gives it up, like, uh, like usual, um, you know, might, uh, might be sitting there to pick up the pieces. Um, but one thing I'll add on uh, just, in terms of, of horses setting the pace on these in these turf routes, you know, and sayings in, in my world, uh, you know, don't fight the tape, don't fight the Fed, right? You know, you can use all kinds of logic, but just don't fight the uh, these early pace types on the turf. Uh, you know, just an, an angle I have running, and again, another reason why I like to to run these as research angles. You know, whether it's post positions, uh, different pace, early pace, late pace, and I leave those in there. So once you create the angle it stays as long as it stays active it'll stay there and continually update every single day and so you get these different things that pop up of maybe it changes right maybe early in the meet it was favoring differently but i'll give you the numbers i mean 90 starts here for uh, uh for the meet you know 35 winners with horses on turf routes projected to be on the lead 35 percent winner 61 percent in the money and a positive five percent roi so these horses that get to the lead, I mean, they, they just, they, they keep going. And, you know, with the old, the old saying, nobody tries to, uh, to, to test on the front end in New York. So um, that's why I'll include, I'll include the six, uh, but I'm going to go seven, two, four as A's and uh, six as, uh, as a B. Seven, two, four on the A line. I was more optimistic about Sasua's summer's chances than you just looking at that pace edge looked to be one that was overdue to win the maiden. And I still thought, that looking at the, the the trainer switch to Ma, there was maybe some upside here, and that just looked to have improved late pace last time too. So I put that all in the hopper and came up with that one. Was going to back up 
with the two Chad Brown runners. So six on the A line, four, seven on the B line for me in race number five. Let's talk race number six. We've got a starter allowance, three and up, mile and a 16th on the dirt this time. I came up with the five dangerous edge, a runner in very good form since the switch to the new barn and the drop into lesser company going back up the ladder today, but I think has the numbers to be competitive at a square price. I also wanted to mention the one bold victory, bringing good form to the party and too sharp not to include. I had it 5-1 in the sixth. How did you see it? Uh, I have it, yeah, 5-1 uh, in my mix as well. But the one I will add in there is uh, is the two um, uh, endowed. Probably going to be your favorite, but I just, this is a very confusing pace uh, scenario here, uh, both on my numbers and I'm looking at uh, time form as well. That gray, that random gray bar shows up with no pace. Yep. Uh, I agree. Uh, again, you, it's, I, I, the reason, here's the reason why I like, I like in doubt is, uh, you know, getting, getting back to the dirt again, had a nice, uh, nice effort off a win, second off a layoff. But I think Pratt is going to press the pace here. Um, I don't think this horse is going to sit off it. I think you're going to see some hustle out of the gate, try to control this thing from the front end. So I just think this is a dangerous horse at a paceless race. Not sure where it's going to come from. I think this horse might step out and, and grab the lead. And I think Pratt uh, is going to, is going to push for it. So that's the one that I'll add to the two others, Pete. Uh, I'm going to use all three of those as A's. I had a tough time with this race, but I'm going to try to get, try to get by with those three. All right. Let's uh, keep things moving along with race number seven. Three and up Philly and Mayor, New York Bread Allowance going seven on the turf. Matt, what do you think is going to win this one? So, um, you know, you can go a lot. I think you can go a lot of different directions here, but of course, I'm going to try, try to narrow this thing down to uh, to, to just a couple. Um, you know, I, I think I think uh, Autumn Glory is very interesting. Um, you know, third time out, going to get pace to run into again here. Um, you know. Uh, Clement is, 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 you know, does well with these types. I, you know, I'm not trusting too much of who I think is going to be the pace setter, uh, which is the, the eight making my move. I think if you have the budget to use again, going with that idea of, you know, stealing on the front end there on the turf. Uh, but I just think that autumn glory is going to get some pace to run into just missed last time out. Uh, so I do, I do like uh, autumn glory uh, quite a bit uh, in, in this race. Another one I, I thought was, uh, was interesting and probably going to take some money uh, as well is uh you know the the, the pratt clement team here uh second off the layup with the two uh she's and mia uh again just i think going to get some pace to, to to run into and i think those two will be coming late and those are the two i like the most so i'm going to go with two a's here uh autumn glory and she's and mia uh the two and the three here exactly the same i mean autumn glory just looked like a very solid favorite last figure i thought puts her clear should get a good setup i think with enough speed and I also like that the form of that last run working out well. The two she's of me, as you point out, improved significantly on that seasonal debut. And looks like a flow upgrade for me in that race. That was a, a little bit faster than average pace that she attacked, only to be overtaken late. I think she can run faster with a more even run through. Three and two for both of us in race number seven. Which brings us to more graded stakes action in race number eight, where we've got the Dwyer. These three-year-olds going a mile on the dirt, return to the races of, uh, of, of a horse that I've always been a big fan of from when uh, before the first race on the Gulfstream show when we had Todd Fletcher on talking about how much he liked number one, charge it. This horse has shown some talent, had excuses in the Florida Derby for me, had excuses in the Kentucky Derby. This just looks like a great spot to reboot the three-year-old campaign 
charge it was going to be an A for me in the Dwyer. I was going to back up with the number six. Nabokov, first run, um, you know, maybe was too short, maybe wasn't quite ready. Second run, adding distance with the run under the belt. That clearly brought this horse forward in a big way. And given the hands he's in, Chad Brown might not be done improving. So I did want to have some backup lines with the six, but mainly I was going to play charge it in the Dwyer. What are your numbers in here? Yeah, I think the same here as well. Um, I just I like the outside uh, positioning of uh, Nabokov a little bit, uh, just just in case there's a little bit. Now I, I see this a couple of different ways. I, I think Charger can step out, get to the lead, and and just take it all the way home, gate to wire. Um, I think there's a little challenge for for the pace. I think fluid situation could could uh, challenge for the front end here, maybe soften, charge it up, which I think sets up. Uh, for, for the six a bit, uh, but another horse I would throw in. So yeah, I'm going to use the, I want to use the one in the sixes A's. Uh, the one I thought was interesting though, is uh, uh, un, unbrighted bomber, right? Is that right? Uh, the number four, I think this horse is really interesting if they all go for the lead. And that's a, that's a possibility of, I think of a hotter pace scenario than what's, what's going to be projected. And this horse has a monster triple digit uh, uh, Equibase late pace figure. Uh, again, something that's really nice on the true odds function of race lens is that you can go into it and click a button to see and rank every horse in terms of late pace. So you get an idea. If you see a fast pace, you bring that up. Maybe one of these days we could do a, a demonstration of it, but just a great idea. look at it, click on it bring that up and it ranks horses uh, in order. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, Christina Blacker loves that. If you hear her on TBG, she always talks about how easy that is just to, to kind of plug and look at that. So that's a horse that kind of jumps off the page. And again, this horse has come rolling late in hot paces. So uh, again, it's not projected to be fast. This, this race might heat up a little bit. So that's another one I'd like to use. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to structure this. I might break up the one and six and weight those a little bit differently but I think I want to use the four a little bit more than I would a traditional B uh, in this case, just because of what I see uh, the pace might uh, uh, coming out to be. So, uh, so that's the other horse that I'll add in there, Pete, uh, the four uh, on Rider Bomber. I love your case. I mean, we talk about lone speed so often. Lone closer is a thing too. And on Bridal Bomber is one at a very big price here potentially. And you can see tactically how some of those more fancied runners are going to hook up and, and set things up. So I, I'm, I'm very interested and will be definitely uh, in, in my – I won't steal your pick on the notes we send around for plus and put Unbridled Bomber in there for me. But in my actual tickets, there will be some Unbridled Bomber for sure. The late double, we close things out with it. It starts off in race nine. Three and up Philly and Mare allowance types going six furlongs on the inner turf in this one. I had a big price. I'll jump in with my with my um, goofy idea in here. For number two, Nota Bene, I'm giving the call. Uh, not really on figures, rated too far behind the more likely winners. And this horse is sure to be a double figure price, maybe 20 to one. And I really like the closing kick that she showed last time. Certainly not one to stand alone with. Shannon, I thought was very good in the Keeneland run. The switch to the powerhouse Cox Barn, not a bad thing at all there. And then the seven, she's the one. Maybe a little bit shorter price than I'm going to want to take in the wind pool. But for horizontals, she's one that has really good form, been admirably consistent. Not just a hunch play for Bruce Springsteen fans. I like it 217 in the ninth. What do you think? Uh, I like your I like your one in the seven. Seven's uh she's the one gonna be my my top pick uh here. Um, again, just, I, I like horses that, uh, you know, can, can really, you know, go to the front or go towards the front, sit off the pace, make a, make a nice run late, whether it's fast, whether it's slow, 
Um, so I think this horse is a bit tactical. I like it third off the layoff. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, third off the layoff here for uh, for the seven. She's the one. Um, you know, the 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 ten um, I, I thought was a little interesting as well. Oh, gotten girl. First off, a long layoff. This horse has proven to fire off off a layoff. Um, might get the lead and, uh, and and keep going. So on a pace angle, there I want to include I want to include the ten a little bit. Everything you mentioned uh, on on the one uh, the with uh, with Shannon. I, I just think uh, again, second time out uh, on the turf, first time out there for for Brad Cox. I think it's an interesting runner here. Uh, and you might get a little bit of a price uh, on this horse as well. Um, and then uh, let's see the. Yeah, th so those were the so those were the, the three that I was going. But I was going to go uh, seven. I was going to go seven, uh, ten, one, uh, for my uh, for my A's here. I thought about throwing the, um, the 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 six a little faith in there as well as a lone B. Um, again, another long layoff coming in here, but you know I, I feel this horse this horse fits probably will sit closer to that pace too. So might get uh, might get the best trip uh, in this group. So um, you know again. Uh, proven to fire fresh again. This one is one off a long layoff. So I, that's another one that I would throw in there as a lone B, but uh, I'm going to go seven, 10, one as A's and uh, six as a B. We wrap things up with race number 10, our nightcap and allowance race going a mile on the turf. Matt, how are we going to get paid? Uh, I'm a sucker for these horses. I'm going right back to the well again. These uh, first time North America, Chad Brown's um, again, just don't fight the numbers. <laughs> he gets them ready and they fire fresh. And listen, I'll, I'll put the numbers to it for the year. First time North America on the turf. He's 33% for winners, 75% in the money and still a positive 1% ROI. Incredible. So talk about placement of horses. I think, uh, I think, I think Chad knows uh, what he's doing here. Uh, but these horses just, again, and for some reason they do get left off the board a little bit. Um, you know, I know some of them get hammered and, and, uh, but I've noticed that, especially in this Belmont meet, there's been a couple that have been left off the left off the board in that four to five to one range. I don't know if that happens here, but I mean, this is a big field, so again, you might see a decent price on on uh, on, on this horse uh, as well. So, um, you know, the other horse that that I would I would use again, just going back to the same redundant theme of of uh, early loan pace setters of the three, Jerry the Nipper, first time uh, first time on the turf again projected to be on a clear lead here might take them all the way uh but i'm going to use lone b for the three jerry the nipper but i'm going to go with a lone a here uh poet of life in the 12 that first time in north america chad brown see if we can do it again this is one of these funny days where we're reading each other's uh, email um you know we don't talk about this stuff before the shows but i have exactly the same two numbers ranked exactly the same way poet of life showed enough form overseas to be considered very dangerous in the spot. And then you throw in the fact that we're looking at a new gelding. And I just like looking through the form, seeing that success on uh, left-handed courses. That's always a real positive for me on these runners coming in. I, I think the poet of life might be too good. And I like the pace angle on the three, Jerry, the nipper. So yeah, we, we're in lockstep for about three fifths of this pick five and not that different on the others or pick six, I should say. And historically I'll throw in when that's happened, we've done very well. Yeah, so so hopefully this will be another one of those occasions as we get down to the, uh, you know, the waning couple of weeks of this Belmont meet and get ready for Saratoga. 
Matt, thank you so much for your time today. We will have you on again next week. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do Naira again. Maybe we'll mix it up and bring you in for one of the other tracks. That's a great thing about your approach to the game. It seems like, you know, you're maybe more at home at one circuit than another, but you bring insight no matter what we talk about uh, with the help of Racelands. That sounds great. Yeah, up for doing that and uh, always happy to uh, always happy to be here and uh, good luck to everybody playing the races again. We'll be talking soon. Next up on the show, it's a reunion of sorts. We did so many of these segments last year and we're back working with our partners at Monmouth and excuse <laughs> let me start again. Three, two, one. Next up on the show, it's a reunion of sorts. We're so happy to be working again with our friends up north at Woodbine. And we did so many Woodbine segments, uh, me and this next guest, together last year. This is actually, I think, the first one we've done in 2022. It will not be the last. We now welcome in In The Money Media's expert on all things pertaining to Woodbine. He is Drew Coatney. Drew, what's up, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. On the heels of July 4th here, getting excited, getting the smoker ready, got some ribs ready to go and peeled off the skin. And we're going to go with a little sweeter rub today, a little bit of brown sugar, salt, pepper, a little bit of a mustard base as well to get that seasoning you're sticking. Me, and You're making me way too hungry here. Wait, this is all right, all right. Let's get, let's get but, to the goods then. No, we did, we did some fun barbecue. Folks saw a little bit of the scene at when the show opened of what it was like out there at our bartender's day at the races yesterday at Belmont Park. And uh, Chef Tyson Ho, very, very interesting, um, doing these really nice cuts of beef uh, low and slow on the grill, which I'd never, you know, really seen or experienced. But it gets like a real smokiness into it and has like a really interesting effect on the on the fat cap where it becomes like very melty and good. Definitely something I'm going to try to steal. But this is not helping my hunger either. So I think we should dive in. Though though, if, if you're not going to talk barbecue for your 4th of July show, when are you going to talk barbecue? So it's uh, we'll, we'll continue that part of the conversation offline. And for now, we're going to dive into some great Saturday racing. Some of the best racing in the country, the, in the continent. I'm going to say the best racing in the continent on Saturday happening up at Woodbine. We've got a bunch of stakes we're going to talk about, starting with race number seven, the grade three Celine for these three-year-old fillies going a mile and a 16th on the synthetic. Drew, how are we going to light this candle? Yeah, I think the number four Euphrati at eight to one really got me impressed on debut in, in Toronto, shipping over from overseas and really did good things on the synthetic going seven furlongs and then came back on the turf and kind of faced seasons. And it was a little bit of a weird suck up type of pace flow that just didn't play for this one. So I'm excited for you. Euphrata, Euphrata uh, to get back, Euphrata to get back onto the all weather here, and I, I think this one could get a nice stalking position and really close in. Looks to be the best of the closers, so I'm going to be on the number four, Euphrata, and then I think you can't ignore the number eight, uh, Katiche, trying to make the case to bet against it, but I think this one's just too good, looking to get right at the or good at the right time and should be tactical and have the best jump on them early. So I'm kind of narrow here, the four, the eight, both eights for me. It's an interesting race. You mentioned Katish, the eight runner. I was going to take a stand against. Now, I know as a figure player I want to use, but this was a massive, massive speed-favoring day. I think Jake Jacobs' RacingFlow.com figure had it at minus 200 or something. I mean, this is one of the speed-favoring flows of the year, according to him. Mm. I was just going to say, hey, between that and the fact that Join the Dance is in here, 
Maybe this is going to set up all the better for the horse that you landed on, that I landed on, on top, Ephrata. I'm just a, I'm a big fan in general. I think the switch back to the surface could prove decisive in this case. We'll give a shout out and I'll make a B, uh, and I say this tongue in cheek, but the house horse, uh, Jim Lawson Spruce Stables with the two-year-old Canadian champion, Mrs. Barbara, very admirably consistent runner who does good work on synthetic and one that I'll have in the mix as well. So four and three for me. Four and eight for Drew in the Celine to kick things off. Let's talk about race number eight, which is the grade two Nassau. Four and up, Phillies and Mares going a mile on the turf. Very, very competitive race. I can tell you stories about six of them, but I'm going to try to focus my wagering mainly around two of them. I do uh, reserve the right to throw in some backups based on what you come up with. I put the four Crystal Cliffs on top. I thought you know, among the fastest, maybe the fastest horse in the race should get a great setup. I like back on Lasix for this one. I also like back on Lasix for number three, Plum Ali. Always like this one. Love the new dimension she's shown in recent starts in terms of her tactical speed. I think she could get a great run, maybe held up a little bit more today with as much pace as might be in here, but her tactical speed and finishing ability Give her options, and I'm not going to get beat by Plum Ali, who I've always been a big fan of. Four and three for me in a race again. I feel like you could tell a lot of stories. Who did you like? You know, we're not getting real creative here, and I'm actually switching the order because I just don't think there's a ton of speed, and there's a lot of, like, hopeful closer types. And I think the number four, Crystal Cliffs, although best overall in figures and will be my second horse, I just don't see the pace set up for it. So number four, Crystal Cliffs will be an A on my ticket, but my top choice is the number three, Plum Ali. I think it's going to be right up in the mix, gets to the Lasix again. And I think that New York company was pretty tough. This one has been facing. So I think the other cool part about this horse is it's found some, uh, some cool speed lately. I think there were some race lines in here where you're like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, uh, Plum Ali this year has figured out how to use speed to her advantage. So I'm on the three Plum Ali and the four Crystal Cliffs. And I'll defensively use number two, Lady Spite Spear. Uh, last four races has faced some real monsters and gets a big time class relief today. And that two post draw could really yield a cozy trip. And all this horse is going to have to do is stalk and get the jump on him. It's three for three at Woodbine. Really hard for me to fade number two, Lady Spite Spear. So I'll be using all three of those as A's. Not really that original. It's the three at the top of the market. The three, four, and two for me. All right. Race number nine. Stakes action continues with the grade three Marine prep action for the Queen's Plate in this one with these three-year-olds going a mile and a 16th on the synthetic. I thought that the one Ironstone had a pace advantage, has some trips that make me think he might be a little bit better than that form looks. Third race off the bench. There were a lot of arrows pointing in this direction, and this is a runner who I could see running well here and going on and doing well in a race like the Queen's Plate um, happening in August. What did you think about this one, Drew? Yeah, I'm going with the number seven, La Macaza. I think this horse continues to improve in every start and has been a router since debut, which is special to note because some of these horses are jumping up in distance and taking short prices at that is always a little bit of a bad betting wager for the most part, you know, dealing with uncertainty. So today should get a great stocking pace and second off the start for uh, Julia Carey, who's just winning at 30% and seems to be sending out winner after winner. Also, we're going to use the number four, Rendur. 
uh, simply just the best figures and we'll be in touch as they stretch out. So inside draw should help again with the ground saving trip. You see that rail skimming ride all too often be a deadly weapon on the all weather track. And then I will use as backups as bees, the number one ironstone, same reasons you cited and the number five, uh, Fuerte Ventura. Strong connection, strong black class, and has shown some ability on the all weather, but does need to step forward. And I think that price at three to one is actually going to drift up closer to five to one, and we'll see Ironstone drift down. So, four horses for me in here A, seven, four, and the B's will be one, five in this tough race. I really like your case on La Macaza, by the way. Uh, there's a lot to like here. Second off the layoff, closed really nicely the last day, despite not really having much in the way of a setup now i'm not too worried about the stretch out to this mile and a 16th for ironstone based on what i've seen based on the mile and a 16th race at the end of last year but it, it just is a good point in general about maybe lama casa gets some extra credit pointing in the right direction condition wise and you know, eight to one on a morning line that's pretty juicy as far as that one goes so i'm glad you pointed that one out and i'm gonna list as a backup in my official picks as well race 10 the grade two Highlander a few years ago when this was a grade one, won by a horse that I was uh, involved with, with our friends at 10 Strike Racing, uh, long on value, wearing the, the purple and black to grade one victory. It is now back to being a grade two, which is probably more right. I mean, hey, at some point, maybe it'd be fun to have some more uh, grade one turf sprints. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about this one. We've got a full field of 11 showing up here and another race where I felt like there were a bunch of ways you could potentially go. What did you come up with, Drew? Yeah, I, I, I feel like we're repeating ourselves. It's a tough race, but I feel like there is a lot of speed in here for the six furlong sweeping event on the outer. So I'm going to land with the number nine Olympic runner, has the back class and just continues to get poor pace setups. I think today's race projects perfectly with all that speed in here today. And the overall figures don't hurt. And maybe this six-year-old needed that little bit of a breather off of that massive campaign. As you look through all the racing lines, it's hard to find a big enough break in there for this one to catch its breath. So I'm going to go with the number nine Olympic runner on top. I will be using uh, three other horses that are shorter on the odds board. I won't bore you with all the details, but number two, Voodoo Zip, again, I think sets up perfectly for the, the trip to be closing into them late. Ground saving trip, third off the layoff, etc. Number 11, uh, Azrak at five to one. This horse really woke up lately, and I'm not going to get beat by this one who's going to have the best of the tactical ability to be able to sit off the pace, get the wide uh, draw. And Trombetta has been hitting the board five out of eight times at Woodbine. I mean, come on, you can't leave that runner off your tickets. And then the defensive use, if no one goes with bound for nowhere, we're all going to go wide and we use this horse defensively. Best of speed and Ward knows how to get these ready. So a couple horses in here for me, the nine, the two, the 11, and the 10. If you made me put a backup, I'm going to backup on Bound for Nowhere as a just let's save our ticket and get paid back what we invested. He's got the fastest races. You know, he's, he's gotten a little long in the tooth at this point, which is of some concern. And I was actually going to try to beat him. But in the right configurations, I do not hate the idea at all about having him in there maybe more as like a seahorse. I was hoping we get an opportunity to go head to head. And I think I've got one because you, you're nominated. And I don't really have anything against Olympic runner at 12 to one. I just wonder if silent poet 10 to one on the morning line, real class horse here has done so well sprinting up uh, North of the border over the last several seasons. And I just thought things might set up nicely for silent poet in this spot. 
Would you be up for that, a silent poet, uh, Olympic runner, head-to-head? Yeah, and I'm actually looking at the odds market right now. That sounds like a good bet to me. I'm going to be curious if we're going to see an entirely odd shift on all of these runners here. So I'm going to take it, but if if you see three to one, four to one on Bound for Nowhere, you know, what do you do with that? Because I, I just don't think this horse is going to get a lot of attention. Just reading some of the what the pundits and Woodbine are saying, Silent Poet is a top top pick for a lot of folks. Oh, really? I will take that head to head. Okay, I didn't realize. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ten to one. That's just Ernie's guess as to what the what they're going to do. And it's such a competitive race. It didn't it didn't feel wrong. It didn't feel like a bad line. I just think Bound for Nowhere. People are going to look at the numbers. They're going to see Ward in a turf sprint, and I, and I felt like he's probably right that Bound for Nowhere would be around five to two, and that might preserve some value elsewhere. The other ones I definitely wanted to use. Uh, Arzak, I I agree with uh, everything you said about that runner. Just very very sharp getting you know but doing the best work lately on the synthetic but a, a runner i definitely want as a backup bound for nowhere in there um as a deeper backup and i, I thought you made a uh, you know you mentioned uh, voodoo zip and, and this is a runner who just absolutely fits on numbers and the race should be run to suit so seven for me with the two and the 11 on the b line and the 10 on the c line you had it more the nine is an a two eleven ten thereafter Let's talk about our last race, our nightcap. We've got maidens going six furlongs on the synthetic. Drew, how are we going to get paid? I'm just going to run through some horses because I don't have a super strong opinion in these maiden optional claimers frequently. I'm going to go with the number five, Sugar Ray, drop in class. Uh, number seven, seven is a breeze. Uh, Josie Carroll is crushing it, as always, 26% first-timers. The number 10, Super May Action which I read as super action, which football is right around the corner. So some Wednesday night football <laughs> betting can't be beat, but only speed in here and might just get loose second start in the 21 hard to beat. Uh, number 11, where is Essa three to one uh, speed cuts back in distance outside draw should help keep out of trouble. In these events, you often see a lot of horses dropping anchor near the rail. Sometimes it's better to lose a little ground in these type of events. And then I will be fading and not betting the number 12, Mr. Day. Uh, another dropper, but I just don't see how this one fits in the pace dynamic. It's kind of like a middler where it's not going to be closing up into the pace, but it's not going to be on the lead enough that you'd like to see in a six furlong of that. So I'm just going to drop the number 12, Mr. Day altogether. So five, seven, 10, 11 for me, probably weighting the five, seven, and 11, a little bit higher from an equity perspective. Okay. That's interesting. So five, seven, 11 more is A's and the 10 is a B. I have a price in here. Number eight, Chunky Monkey. This horse to me fits pretty well on figures. I mean, look, I don't really have an excuse for the last run other than off the layoff. The horse didn't do any running. But you go back and you look at some of the older races, absolutely fits 20 to 1 on the morning line, if that's anywhere near right. And we can certainly preserve some of that value, I think, in, in the picks. I was going to just take a shot at a price in this maiden race and see if we couldn't get the job done with the eighth chunky monkey. Can, can you see it if you squint? I can. Yeah, absolutely. I, you could easily push the all button here, but I do like that case for it. Second off the start blinkers come off as well. Who's run some competitive races without blinkers. So yeah, let's, let's get the fire back in chunky monkey and get them home. All right. Great stuff. I like it. I'm excited to be back chatting with you about Woodbine for the first of what will be many times during this yeah. uh, 2022 season. Drew, really appreciate your help, and we'll be talking soon. Yeah, I had one last question, though, for you. Oh, me, yeah. I, I've been asking this question every time. 
where's your strong play? Because when I first entered the game, 100% of my bankroll was to pick fives, pick fours. Now I'm starting to balance it out a bit, finding stronger plays within the pick sequence. And I was going to ask you the question, where is your strong play? Where would you try and play elsewhere? I'll answer first. I think I love the speed in the NASA of the number three Plum Ali. And if I'm getting anything north of four to one, a simple win bet, if I'm betting $100, 40 bucks, 30 bucks of that investment, I'm going to be positive on the day if the number three Plum Ali wins, regardless of what happens in the pick for whatever we're playing. I love that approach. I love everything you're saying. And it is something we sh- I wish we spent, wish we had the bandwidth to spend more time doing. And it's obviously, it's hard the day before a lot of times because, you know, there's so many other things that change and we don't have exact prices, but it's such a smart way of looking at the world. I'm happy to play the game with you. I think Efrata in the seventh in, in the Celine is one that I'm, and in main part because I'm just pretty confident Efrata is going to be a price that I'm happy to bet. And I like, I like everything uh, about that one. So, it, and I, I do love that idea. Like you pick a horse that if your strongest opinion is right, you do your staking in such a way that if your strongest opinion on the day is right, you don't lose, like no matter yeah. what else happens. It doesn't always work. It's not always the best way to do it, but it can be a really smart way of looking at the world. And I'm glad that you brought it up. With a lot of the others, I, you know, it'll be a little bit more price dependent, but I don't mind at all getting involved in, uh, you know, some doubles uh, at yeah. Woodbine. That's a bet, you know, we've often championed playing those doubles as opposed to a bigger pick sequence as well. So I could definitely see some Efrada into those runners, the, the two, three, and four in the in the following race, including your Plum Ali. That might be another uh, way that I, I wouldn't mind uh, going, to, going to war with on the stakes-laden and loaded Saturday card. Any other closing thoughts from you, Drew? No, I'm excited. I, I think this is going to be a great card. The weather projects nice. And go win some uh, photos for us. That's the plan. All right, buddy. We'll be talking soon. That's going to do it for this edition of today's show. We'd like to thank all of today's guests. Thank our founding partners, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Check out some of the stuff we've got cooking with them. TRFinc.org slash players. We've got a couple of bottles of whiskey left. Going to probably do the final mailing on those early in the Saratoga meet. So last call if you're interested in getting involved in one of the three now different whiskeys we're offering as promo items for those that donate trfinc.org slash players. Also 10 strike racing. You know how around here we always love to root for the purple and black and look forward to seeing Marshall and clay and so many other members of the team up in Saratoga Springs. That's going to be a blast. Most of all though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and viewers for making these shows so much fun to do, especially those of you who are in the Money Plus subscribers. What a great way that is uh, for you guys to support us and allow us the, the, the funds to create additional content like the special Plus show. Matt Bernier and I are going to be dropping audio only on all the stakes at Churchill Downs this weekend. You can look for that in your feed. If you want to get involved within the Money Plus, in the moneypodcast.com slash plus is the way to do that. If you want to support us, but you don't have the, the dough to spend or what have you, you know, help us out by rating, reviewing, subscribing, leaving nice reviews for us, whether that's on uh, YouTube, on our videos there, or potentially just uh, over on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps other people find the show, and we appreciate it very, very much. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Props to producer Craig for pushing all the right buttons on this show. We will also thank our business manager, Drew Cotney, our chief creative officer and birthday boy, Jonathan Kinchin, happy birthday out there uh, to JK. I'm Peter Thomas Fornitao.
May you win all your photos.